Okay. Am I on? Yeah, that's it. That's good. Yeah. I'm there. Okay. Good, good. Let's have a seat. I, uh, we've been doing a, uh, as a, ch a church, our worship team has been doing this tremendous course. And uh, they've been, um, they're so committed. They've been giving four hours on a Sunday after church and four hours on a Saturday every second weekend. Six hours just today it was. Well, there you go, six hours. And they're doing this for 10 weeks uh, to grow in understanding because we believe God wants to bring increase and breakthrough in the areas of, of anointing in the, in, the, in the worship team and to take the worship team to a higher dimension. And we've been doing this course, and there's a lady that's come down from, um, from Sydney. She's a lovely lady. Chris uh, Musa, yeah. And she's doing a wonderful work with the team. She's been teaching them on a lot of areas, and it's interesting, before they've even started the, the, the specific praise and worship ministry, she's been going through a lot of areas like... You can't be a worship unless you deal with offense and unforgiveness. And she's gone through all these areas and witchcraft and all these other areas. And actually last week, she bought this teaching on witchcraft, which was, which was really good for the worship team. And there was a, there was a large response to that, that word. And when I heard it, I just thought, this is something that needs to go be taught beyond the worship team. Because it is so common, particularly in Pentecostal churches. And uh, if you were there last week at the worship team, do not get up and leave, because I'll, I'll have extra things to say, and I'm not going to preach what she's preached. I, I'm, I am going to borrow a lot from a, a leader called uh, Derek Prince, who wrote books on this subject. But it's important to realize, because you know, in, that we have the kingdom of God, but Satan also has a kingdom, and, and he works the way he influences us. His kingdom is full of fallen angels, you know, satanic demons and demonic influences and princes, principalities and powers. And they influence our world here through certain ways. I'm, I'm always fascinated by all the threes. There's the three of the Trinity. There's the Father, Son, and the Holy. Three works of the Holy Spirit. There's three level in Noah's arks. And Satan's kingdom also operates in threes because he counterfeits everything that God does. And he works through sorcery, he works through divination, and he works through witchcraft. And that's how those demonic powers get holds in our life and allow, allow even Christians, instead of living under the blessing, they can be living under the opposite. They can be living under the, the power of the curse. Because we're operating in sorcery, divination or witchcraft. And, uh, you know, you see the power of witchcraft right from the word go, and you see the purpose of it where Balaam is hired by Balak because Balak is about to have a, a battle and Balak wants to influence and control the outcome of that battle. So he hires Balaam to chant incarnations or curse Israel. And because blessed, God had blessed them, they couldn't be cursed. But this, what Balaam was hired to do, was very, very common in the ancient world. And it's even common in, you go to Africa today, it's very, very common. I know, I know sports teams, when they go to the World Cup soccer, they hire a witch doctor 
to curse the opposition team and to weaken them and to influence the outcome of the, of the game, and it works. There's a certain power in that. It's not innocent. There is a certain power in what they do. That's why they were doing it back in Balaam's days, and that's why people still do it today. When we speak about witchcraft, the, the, the translation for witchcraft in the New Testament is also pharmakia. You know, drugs, illicit drugs are given to you so that people who produce them can take control over you. They can t- take control over your life and take control over the events. That is what witchcraft is. And in the scriptures, the practice of witchcraft is strictly forbidden. And you can go through Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9 to 14. You can read that in Leviticus, many, many places. It is punishable by death. And in Psalm 1, in 1 Samuel, chapter 1 Samuel, you see the root of witchcraft. And Samuel is told by, sorry, Saul is told by Samuel, who's the judge of the day. He says, I want you to go and eliminate and wipe out all of the Agagites and or the Amalekites, uh, who is led by King Agag. And he says, I want you to wipe them all out and all their animals, everything about the, the, the Amalekites because of what they had done to Israel. And uh, he said, fight against them till they are consumed. So Saul goes off to the battle and he wins the battle, but he doesn't destroy all the animals and all the spoil. He actually keeps it and he tells himself it's a religious lie. He says it's for... The, it's for uh, is what we can do. We can tell religious lies and says it's for worship. And then uh, Samuel turns up and he confronts Saul and says, The Lord sent you on a mission. Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they consume. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Samuel said, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And he was deceived. And uh, and. And um, Saul, Samuel ends up making this speech to Saul. He says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, God has rejected you. So he basically was given the word of God. This is the authority of word of God from Samuel. And in his mind, he thought, I know better than to do what the word is. And I'm going to do something different to what the word is. I'm not going to fully obey that word. And this is, the, the, you know, partial obedience to the word of God is called rebellion. We, 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 when we know and we've received the word of God, we either obey it and submit and get blessed, or we don't obey it. There's no in-between. There's no half-heartedness. Partial obedience is disobedience. And Saul said, when you, uh, this act of rebellion, as in not doing what God told you to do, but doing what your mind said was right, he said, this is witchcraft. So from that, we actually learn the root of rebellion. The root of witchcraft is rebellion. And it's interesting. Rebellion is as witchcraft. If you follow the life of Saul from that moment on, the effect of him rebelling against God, and he'd done it twice, 
He did it before another battle. He didn't wait when Samuel told him to wait. And so he's got this rebellion in his heart. I'll do what I want to do. I'll kind of partially obey God. And Samuel comes and says, it's witchcraft. Now, it's interesting. What happens to Saul, who is not obedient to God's ways and God's word, after this? This is what happens to him. He is opened up to the demonic realm. And he, as a consequence of not being yielded and obedient, he loses his anointing. He was anointed. He lost it. Then he starts to persecute who God had truly anointed. And he starts to come against David for years, thinking he's doing the will of God. And then finally, he stops hearing from God completely. And when he's so desperate because he can't hear from God but needs to hear from God, what does he do? He goes to the witch of Endor because rebellion ends in witchcraft. And that's why when you see children, if you, if you meet some of the, it's so often, so common, when you see children of the 60s. In the 60s, society completely changed. Before that, the 40s and 50s, people generally lived in obedience to the government, in obedience to their parents. They believed in obedience to the Word of God. And in the 60s, this hippie movement came in that basically says, you do what you feel like doing. And it's still alive today. And it was a spirit of witchcraft came over the people in the 60s. And they would not do what their parents wanted. They would not do what the government wanted. They would not do what pastors wanted. They did. They were captains of their own soul. They did whatever they wanted. And you will find, I've been around a long time, most of those people ended up in the occult. Because rebellion is as witchcraft. And so uh, we, we think, when we hear that word witchcraft, we often think in terms of potions. And, uh, and there, is a, there is an element in that. You know, lucky charms, that's witchcraft because you're not trusting in God. Um, potions, incantations. We think that's, that's where the realm of witchcraft is, but it's got nothing to do with us. But listen to Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read to you from verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evidence, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. And the translation there in the Greek is witchcraft. So witchcraft is not primarily about incantations and potions. Witchcraft is a work of the flesh and the work of the flesh which aims at gaining ungodly control over people and events. It's a work of the flesh that tries to get control over people and events. And God never wants you to control people. But it happens a lot. And how does it happen? It happens in every area of society these days. And I believe a big demonic power is released in the sickness. It's worked in every area of society today. You see it in families. It works through, as I said, intimidation, manipulation, and domination. I either intimidate, I manipulate, or I dominate to control events and people. And in men you'll see, particularly uh, in years gone by, not so much today, but, but it still happens today. Some men have such a temper and when they 
don't get their own way. They arc up and they become violent. They start smashing things and everyone's walking around the house on eggshells and there's a spirit of fear and he'll only stop it when you give him his way. That's witchcraft. That is witchcraft and it brings the curse upon you. In, in, in women, it's more, more often, or, no, or not always specifically, it works like this, but more often in women, it is through manipulation. So women want you to do what they want you to do, and often, if you don't do it, we'll become overly emotional. And we'll say, you're, you're not loving me properly. Or, you know, uh, I might get migraines, and these things can be real, and you can get them, and that migraine will only go away when your husband does what you want him to do. And you see this, you go all the way back to Judges chapter 16. There is a woman called Delilah. And she's there. And she is, uh, is wanting Samson to reveal to her the secret of his power. And she's not entitled to know that because God told Samson to keep it a secret. But she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? So she's saying, if you don't tell me this, you don't really love me. That's emotional manipulation. You have mocked me these three times and have not told me your great strength. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily, that's nagging, with her words and pressed him so that, listen to this, his soul was vexed to death. In other words, vexed is a, is a, is a word for witchcraft that through her manipulating emotionally, saying, you are, you know, over and over again, you won't tell me this, it means you don't love me. You won't do what I want you to do, it means you don't love me. You don't love me because you won't do what I want you to do. We use, we use spiritual language to, to disguise this often. And then she just nags and nags and nags and nags and nags and nags and nags over the issue until he is vexed. It's witchcraft. It's manipulating and God hates it because it's not honest and God wants us to be direct, but it is witchcraft. You see, children do this as well. Or, or sorry, another area where women can do it is sexually, is that the Bible says, do not withhold yourself from your husband. But sometimes we can actually withhold ourselves so that the husband does what we want. And that's manipulation. Children can do it. You know, if mum doesn't give me the right answer, I go over to dad and I tell him something different. I manipulate this because it's part of our fallen nature and it's a work of the flesh. It's not a work of the spirit. It is a work of the flesh. The works of the flesh are evident. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, etc., etc. It is a work of of the flesh. And we can, we can hear about that. We can think, oh, it's terrible. And we don't want that to be in our homes. But it can also be in churches and Pentecostal churches over the last 30, 40 years have been rife with it. Rife with it. That people will try to get you. Pastors can do it or congregants can do it. But I will try to get you or you will try to get your leaders to do what you want them to do through either intimidation, 
manipulation or domination. There, are church, there was a movement many years ago. I've been in this game nearly 30 years now, so I've been around seeing a lot of movements. But there was a movement many years ago, and it sounded really spiritual. Often people that operate in witchcraft are super spiritual people. They are super spiritual. But there was a movement many years that was called the Covenant Keepers. And what happened is that, and I was exposed to a church like this, that you had to come into this church and you had to make a covenant with the church. This church was called, it was like, we are the family of God. You're going to make a covenant to the church. And I sat there in that church for a little while. This is the truth. We don't have a covenant with anyone except Jesus. And that church was using that that teaching to control, to keep people in the church. It's ungodly. It's witchcraft. I even had a guy once, the first trip I ever went to Pakistan, a lovely young pastor. See, a lot of people don't know they move in witchcraft. Here, we had tremendous meetings, and Mick Bateman was there with me. We did these wonderful crusades, and it was just so tremendous. But at the end of it, he brought out this little bit of paper, and he said, on this thing, he wanted me to sign a covenant with him. That from here on, I would only work in Pakistan with this one pastor. And it sounded really good. It's like, you know, they, Abraham had a covenant. You know, well, we can have a covenant. This is a godly this commitment. We'll be committed to each other forever. And I was uneasy about it. Again, God told me, you only have a covenant through the blood of Jesus. We only, only have a covenant with God. We are only unconditionally committed to God. And when a pastor actually, or a church, wants your unconditional loyalty, it's witchcraft. It's witchcraft. And it releases the demonic into the church. In the church, which is quite extraordinary, people can uh, try to, super spiritual people, can try to prophesy in churches to manipulate you. I knew a certain young fellow came into this church and he wanted me to do a certain ministry, which the Holy Spirit gave me no witness to. And one day in a meeting, he prophesied, came up to me and prophesied over me that if I did this and I opened this ministry, my ministry was going to go up like a rocket, but if I didn't, it was going to go like that. It was witchcraft. Witchcraft. Many years ago, many years ago, when we were down in, uh, in Gosford, someone told me to invite this guy. And I've made this mistake twice. I've invited guests on other people's recommendation. Only twice, and I'll never do it again. And I invited this guy because someone told me he was great and had a. He came into the meeting and after one meeting, I realized he was working in a different spirit. You know, there are signs and wonders and there are fake signs as well. Satan will counterfeit true signs and wonders. And just because someone says, I've got a ministry of signs and wonders, doesn't mean they're from God. In fact, in the end times, it says many, there'll be many people working in false signs and wonders. And often the people that chase signs and wonders, what's happening? The power of God is not working in them. If the power of God is working with you, your life is being miraculously transformed. I'm a new creation. I'm going from glory to glory. It's wonderful. And I'm not really seeking to see outward spectacular signs and miracles because it's happening within me. But when it's not happening within me, often those people then want to go. Go and see something outside. 
And this guy was operating in a different spirit. So I shut him down. After one meeting, I went to him and I said, your, your ministry's over. I'm going to take the rest of the weekend. And uh, closed him down. And it was, it was really obvious to a lot of people, this guy was moving in something different. And um, some people who had invited him, who were quite proud, decided that what we needed to do, we needed to pray for pastor because pastor didn't have the revelation that they had about the real kind of more advanced things of God. So they got together a secret prayer group and started praying for me. And I went to them and I said, what this is, is I'm not doing your agenda. What you want is your agenda brought into this church. It's not going to happen, and those prayers are witchcraft. It happened again when someone came in this church years ago. I'm telling you the stories. And they, had a, they, they, they got under this doctrine of sinless perfection. And they believed that once you became a Christian, you could not sin. And if you did sin after you became a Christian, you weren't a real Christian. And I said to them, I said, that's a deception. That is not the truth. We are sanctified on an ongoing basis. And again... They believed they had superior knowledge to myself, so they set up a prayer group to pray for me. <laughs> that I, my eyes would open and I would see that they, who'd been walking with God about one quarter of the time that I had, would, would do what they wanted. And it's manipulation and it's witchcraft. And so it's not only in families, it comes into churches. And people want their own agendas. You know, I've had this a lot of time. Even, I mean, we, I love the nation of Israel, but people have formed prayer groups to pray for me than I would pray more for Israel. That is ungodly control. And it, God can never honor it. And this spirit is at work all over the world. You know what's happening in, in, in Israel right now with this, these people for Hamas? It's all witchcraft. God gave the land to Israel. And you either come under the authority of the Word of God and you believe it, or you come under all this propaganda from Hamas who are manipulating and trying to intimidate the whole world that Israel is bad and that they're trying to write a whole new story. It's all witchcraft. It's all witchcraft. And you see... Delilah moving in witchcraft. You see, uh, one of the great examples is a woman in the scriptures called Jezebel. And Jezebel has an ungodly authority. She has a form of worship, but it's not true worship. She worships Baal. She has false prophets that she follows. And, uh, and she uses intimidation. She uses threats and mani manipulation to get her agenda uh, prosecuted. And you see, uh, it's so powerful, witchcraft, when it comes against this man, Elijah. Elijah has this great victory on Mount Carmel when he calls down fire and he kills a lot of the false prophets. But as soon as he kills the false prophets, as in, in uh, 1 Kings 18, what does, what does Jezebel do? 
she actually threatens him. She threatens him and she says, I'm going to eliminate you. And it's so powerful when she said that this demonic realm, this demonic, um, this, this legion of demons that's reduced through, which was released through witchcraft, came at Elijah. And see, this is what witchcraft likes to do. It likes to weaken leaders. And he was so affected by it, he ran and hid in a cave, felt hopeless and was depressed because that is the effect of witchcraft. And that's why you can't have it in your home. That's why you can't have it in your church. It brings oppression. It brings hopelessness. And it brings depression, particularly against leaders and men. So she threatens him. And... and, and, uh, in 1 Kings 21, you see a, a, an example where her wife, his wife Jezebel, Jezebel's husband Ahab, wants this farm, but somebody else owns it. So he goes to this guy called Naboth in 1, in 1 Kings 21, and, and he says, I want your farm, and I'll buy it. And Naboth says, you can't. It's, it was passed down to me. I'm going to pass it down to my children. And it's not for sale. And Ahab goes back and sulks. And it's not for him. And Jezebel, in verse 7, comes and said to him, You now exercise authority over Israel. Arise, eat food, let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth and Jezreel, the Jezreelite. And basically she wrote letters and she accused this guy Naboth of blaspheming God. And then all the elders came around and they stoned this godly man called Naboth. And Jezebel took the vineyard and gave it to Ahab. So she is uh, influencing the events that happened through false accusation against this man. Lies. And it's all a work of the flesh. Lying, manipulating, cheating to get her agenda. And Jezebel is the ultimate example of witchcraft. And, uh, and in the end, God raises up this fellow called Jehu to deal with Jezebel because she's wicked. And for this action that she did against Naboth, Elijah comes along and says, right, God's had enough of you, your manipulation, your intimidation. He's going to raise up someone and he's going to deal with you. And they're going to throw you off a building and dogs are going to lick up your blood. And so this guy called Jehu is anointed by Elijah and he comes. And when he comes to deal with, finally the deal with this wicked, intimidating, controlling woman who wants her own agenda and does whatever she can to prosecute an ungodly agenda, what she does, it says, as Jehu's coming in, she paints her eyes. She paints her eyes when he's coming in. And this is, when you painted your eyes in, uh, in those days, it was to make you sexually seductive. And this spirit has taken many leaders down because it operates in people. And, you know, you see some pastors, they fall. You think, how do they fall? How do they get into sexual immorality? I'm telling you, many times it's through the power of witchcraft. It's through the power of witchcraft. And, you know, you, you can have in your, you can have even in a, in, a, in a church, you can have people who want 
They have an agenda. They may, they may want a position. They may want to be recognized. In the, that's their hidden agenda. Like uh, uh, Jezebel had hidden, hidden agendas. And she flattered. She tried to flatter Jehu. But people can flatter leaders and they can flatter pastors and say wonderful things about you. But the spirit behind it is witchcraft. Those words aren't real. They're meant to prosecute their own agenda. And it's, 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 I've seen it in many, many churches. And when I heard it preached about uh, last week, I thought this is really, really not only for the worship team to hear about this. The whole church needs to hear it because it's so prevalent in the world today. And it's even prevalent in the church. It's prevalent in families. We don't even know we do it sometimes but we want our own way. You know, God has an order. Husband's head of the home, then wife, then children. That's not my order. That's God's order. And when we don't want that agenda, when we don't want that order, we can manipulate, we can intimidate to bring us out and we end up in ungodly order. And why it's really, really serious, as I said, if someone is operating... In witchcraft, in your home, even bosses can do it. Bosses can intimidate you at work. It, it, the fruit of it, when Elijah was confronted, he's the man of God. He's the real man of God. And by the way, when someone's operating witchcraft, a lot often accuse the real man of God of being a fake. When Ahab met Elijah on the way to Mount Carmel, he said, Oh, you troubler of Israel accused Elijah of exactly what they were. Manipulation. And why it's important, as I said, is because when, this is oper when, when we allow it to operate in our realm, we, the demons from hell, can bring on us waves of attack which produce hopelessness. Elijah was a mighty man of God, and he, he ends up lying in a cave. He'd done great things of God. God's used him greatly. He ends up lying in a cave saying, I'm hopeless, I'm useless, I've never done anything for God, living under a total deception and totally overwhelmed by depression. Can't even get up. What brought him in that? Witchcraft. Jezebel's witchcraft. And the problem, Elijah was a great man. But his one problem in his ministry, after he dealt with the false prophets on Mount Carmel and Elijah came at her, he should have dealt with her right there and then. But when someone has this spirit, we often don't want to confront them. And we need to confront them. We need to be like Paul. And this is not being violent. This is trying to help people, get them out of it. Paul came at Peter. You know, Peter was being the hypocrite. Is doing the wrong thing. Today, most churches will start a prayer meeting for, Paul, for Peter. But Paul didn't. Paul went and spoke the truth to his face. He confronted him and said, this is what I see. And this is what we need. We need to be sincere and open and honest. Because it is the truth that keeps you free and makes you free. But this is the thing, if we, this, so this is how witchcraft affects us. But here's the thing, if we move in it, if you move in it and you're part of it, 
it brings you under the curse. You're not under the word. You're trying to promote another agenda, your own agenda. You come under the curse. And I've seen a lot of people over the years, I'm not picking on this particular issue, but I've ministered to a lot of people. And Michael will be my witness. We've prayed for a lot of barren people in the, in the third world. And God has opened them only after they've dealt with witchcraft. Brings the curse. If you are operating in witchcraft, I've seen this many, many people. We've seen many people. People leave the church. And sometimes you don't know why they leave. But often it's simply because I won't do what they want. And those people that leave, the vast majority of them, I'm telling you, they don't prosper. Because they take that. That spirit operates in other places. Unless you come to the recognition that I have no entitlement to try to control anybody or any event. God is in control. I can express my opinion, but I cannot try to manipulate or intimidate or control people. It's wicked. Until I get that revelation, I can't prosper. I cannot prosper. And that's, why, that's what's so... so Sad about people who have this because, as I said, some people move in this and they don't even know they move in it. Sometimes the fruit of it's even sudden death and, and sickness that just comes out of nowhere. What's the solution? What's the solution? 1 Corinthians, this is a, this is a wonderful verse, and I just spoke about it briefly. But one Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul says this, for our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. So it's like we weren't fleshly. We weren't doing things and pretending it's godly, but it's actually a work of the flesh. We're manipulating, intimidating. He says, we conducted ourselves with simplicity and sincerity. Simplicity is the opposite of duplicity. So we need to conduct ourselves. In the, in the family, if we're not happy, rather than manipulate or intimidate or try to dominate, we need to be mature and honest to go to your wife or your spouse and say, I want to tell you something very, very simple. I'm not happy about this and I desire, I really wish you'd do this. Be simple and sincere like Nathaniel, have no guile, no hidden agenda, not say I'm doing this but I'm really doing that. Be sincere and simple in our, in our expression. Now, Paul writes to the Galatians, and you think, oh, this isn't a problem in churches. This is what he writes to the Galatians, who started out as a work of the Spirit, who were going on, they saw miracles, they saw signs, they saw wonders, they saw so many great things, and their people were growing, and then all of a sudden it stopped. And Paul wrote to them and said, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? So they came under the influence of witchcraft. Jews came in who were not born again and started to tell them, you, 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 this is not the right way. This teaching is incomplete. You just don't need the cross of Jesus. You need Jesus plus. You need Jesus plus circumcision. And they came in and as they started to promote this, sounded really spiritual, sounded really good. 
but there was a hidden agenda behind them to bring them under their control. Paul says, you were bewitched. Witchcraft affected your minds. And he said, who had bewitched you that you stopped obeying the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? So how do you know? How did he know these Galatians had come under the power of witchcraft? I tell you how you know when someone's come under the power of witchcraft. They had lost sight of the cross. And they believed the cross was not enough for them. It was not, not enough for their problems. It was not enough for their victory. The cross, you needed Jesus plus something. And people sometimes say the cross is not enough. You've got to go to a special ministry to get freedom. Let me tell you something. The cross is all you need. It's not the cross plus something. Let me tell you something. The people in Israel were in bondage. And some people today are in bondage. How did God free them? I'll tell you how he freed them. And when he freed them, they not only got free, they got totally free. The, the, this is what real freedom looked like. The Egyptians gave them all their money. So when they came out of bondage, they had money. When they came and walked through the wilderness, they had 40 years of perfect health. Their sandals didn't wear out. No one was ill among the 40 years because that's what real freedom looks like. But when God delivered them from the bondage of Egypt, on what basis did they get free? They had to take the blood of a lamb, the lamb, sacrifice it, put its blood over the doorpost, and on basis of trusting in the blood of the lamb alone, they got free. And whenever anyone says to you, you need more than the blood of the lamb, you need some special ministry to get free. It's witchcraft. It's witchcraft. Now, people can minister to you the blood of the lamb, but there's never anything more than you need to be free from sickness, to be free from poverty, to be free from demons than the shed blood of a lamb. And whenever someone says to you, oh no, that work is not complete. You need that plus certain other ministry. It's witchcraft. They have an agenda. If you can get someone to really understand what Christ did at the cross, it's been paid for, it's been prayed and to simply trust in that every day. They get freer and freer and freer because I've been ministering deliverance. We've cast out so many demons in the nations for 20 years. And I'll tell you, the key is trusting in the shed blood of a lamb. Just was it like in Israel, it's the same today. And these people, they said, we're bewitched because they lost sight of the cross. That's where your victory is. That's where all your victory is. It's Jesus and the cross plus nothing. That's what brings you freedom. And so I've said it's manipulation and control is a work of the flesh. It is a work of the flesh to try to control events and people. Manipulation, intimidation, that's flesh. It's not a work of the Spirit. So, third solution. Romans 8 says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. They're fleshly agendas. They're not spiritual. 
They sound spiritual, use spiritual language, they're fleshly agendas. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, for to be carnally minded or fleshly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So you need to rid your mind of works of the flesh. You actually need to rid your mind, renew your mind. I don't want to get my way. I'm not going to try to manipulate. I'm not going to try to intimidate to make people in the home, in the church, do what I want. That is a work of the flesh. And I've got to recognize that's a work of mine. Instead, I've got to set my mind on things of the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling you. And you've got to make that a daily discipline. That has to become a daily discipline. Yield and give control daily to the Holy Spirit. That's the only solution to controlling your flesh. And you know, it's... We don't battle against principalities and powers, I said last week. We, are, as we, when we become Christians, we are in a life and death battle with the powers of hell until we die. And what, what every believer must know is when we become believers, we surrender our agenda. We surrender our agenda. We surrender our right to control. Control events, control my own life. The only thing I can come under control is the Word of God. I live under the control of the Word of God. And, and if anyone is trying to manipulate me or intimidate me, one of the things you've got to realize, it's a sin to come under that. It's a sin to do it, but it's also a sin to come under it. God says, I set you free. I don't want you to live under that. As many people try to control me as a pastor, intimidate me, it's like, you can do what you want to do, but I'm, I'm not listening to it. I only listen to the Holy Spirit, and the agenda here is God's agenda. And so you mustn't come under those sort of influences, but also you must recognize, because I've learned people don't often do this maliciously, they do it because they've been not loved properly as a child. They need to feel they need to control everything. Or they've been abused and they feel they need to control events. They need to control people. There's stuff that's unhealed in them. That's why they move in that. And they can't trust easily. And so if you move in this, you've actually got to recognize it and repent of it because it stops you coming into the blessing. Jesus became a curse that we could receive the blessing of Abraham. We actually have to renounce and say, this, this pattern of manipulating, this pattern of intimidating to get my way stops today. Today, the cross of Jesus goes through that and it ends. And today, I'm just going to give people freedom. You know, you go and say to yourself, you say to my wife, like, you do this and I don't like it. And I'm just expressing that and then the rest is up to you. But I'm not going to try to do things to make you do what I want. I've just told you what I wanted. It's up to you now. You have freedom to do it or freedom not to. That's how we got to operate. Because that's how God operates. He gives us freedom. God never tries to control your will. 
He gives you freedom. He gives you commands. So it's really important that we renounce this. When I heard it last week in the, in the, in the worship team, there was a good response, but I just thought, this is, I've seen this over the years so much. I've seen it in so many households. I've seen it wreck marriages. I've seen it just destroy people who live under the power of being controlled. You know what happens when someone is controlling your will and trying to control your personhood and your events? You lose your personhood. A lot of people get mentally ill because they are being intimidated, manipulated all the time. You have to, you have to say, no more. No more. I'm not coming under that. And then if you operate in it, you actually have to renounce it. So I want to pray for people today who have been affected by ungodly control and witchcraft. Maybe you've been in a relationship. You might have even been in a church where people have tried to manipulate you, intimidate you. You can use spiritual language. I'm going to pray for you to be healed of that today. Because some people may, you may still be feeling hopeless. That still be like that, that thing that happened to Elijah may be over your life. And also want to pray for people who have been manipulative. Have used ungodly means to control people and events. I want to pray for you that today it stops and today you have the faith and the trust to not control anymore, to trust God, to let go and to trust God in all things. That you and those around you may be not only free, but free indeed, gloriously free. I want us to stand up today. I'm going to pray for everybody because this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Father God, I thank you that your son makes us free and free indeed. And you want us to live free. You don't want us to come under the control of anyone or anything other than your word. You don't want us to come under the control of anyone's will apart from your will. And Father God, I lift up people here today that have been the victims of ungodly control, of manipulation, of intimidation. And Father God, I thank you that you're a God who heals. Father, you paid for our healing on the cross. You're a God who liberates us. And Father God, you brought Elijah out of that cave and took him forward. And Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I release over the congregation today. In the name of Jesus, the healing for every heart, every hopeless heart, every depressed heart, every person that's come under the power of witchcraft, every person who's feeling oppressed, depressed. Father God, those demons that are at work today, I take authority over that and I break it and I declare it is finished today and I declare the sun sets you free. And I declare that you shall not come under that. In Jesus' name. And Father God, for those who have worked and, and may not even know it, Lord, but they operate out of this spirit. 
even here. Father God, forgive us. Forgive us for trying to control events. Forgive us for trying to orchestrate what we want. Forgive us for trying to impose our agenda. Even undermining leaders, godly leaders. Father, we ask your forgiveness today. We ask you, open our eyes that we will not live under the curse. You don't condemn anyone, Lord, but you want to release them today. Release them. Open their eyes that it is a wicked thing. Set us free today, Lord, completely free. We'll trust you. We'll trust you completely. We'll just pray about things. Leave it to you. But I today renounce every desire to manipulate. You need to say this under your breath if it's you. I I renounce every desire to intimidate. I renounce every desire to dominate. And I declare that I live only under the Word of God. The authority of God's Word. I thank you, Father, that you set captives free. That freedom is coming to my life today. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 This is a... This is one of those big deal sermons. You know, this is, you know, I, I've had this thing brewing in my spirit for weeks now. And sometimes you know something is happening and you know something's around, but you can't put your finger on it. And I'm feeling, you know, there's an oppression going on around here. And only last week when Chris brought it up, I thought, there's witchcraft at work. There's witchcraft at work. And it's a big, big deal. God wants you to thrive, to live in the abundance and the blessing by trusting Him, not controlling. Never do it. I really believe God is is really addressing people today and saying, you need to draw a line in the sand. This is not another sermon. You actually need to stop this behavior. You, this you need to stop it because you are not going to get what you want from God. He hates it. It's punishable by death in the Old Testament. He's merciful. His mercies are new every morning. Doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to correct you here today. Lift your hands and praise God. Thank Him for the Word. Thank Him for the Rima Word of God. Hallelujah. Don't get offended by the Word of God. Receive it.